You're listening to As Read By Me, the podcast where writers read and readers listen. Hi, I'm Sarah Colvin. This is an excerpt from my book, Breaking Free, As Read By Me. My problem has always been one of impatience. Immediate self-indulgence remains a continuous barrier to growth. I never wanted to wait for that period of discomfort to pass and allow the brain to normalize itself. I sought the quick fix and instantaneous relief. When cocaine first became available to me, I associated the drug with the Ritalin pills my friend and I had smashed and snorted. The overwhelming depression that consumed me day and night had broken me to the point of becoming agreeable to experimentation with stimulants. The first time cocaine entered my nose, I fell in love. Literally, I knew I had found the answer. Everything I have ever lacked internally was now filled to abundance. The painful sadness was not only gone, but replaced with an intense exuberance. The mundaneness of my everyday existence was now delightful down to the minutest detail. The agonizing boredom which plagued my soul was the most tremendous burden of all. Yet with a single line of white powder, this hindrance was miraculously transformed into active involvement with others. I could accomplish, with enthusiasm, an extensive plethora of tasks. In cocaine, I discovered what I had always been looking for in life. Fulfillment, joy, interest. Life was no longer unbearable. With cocaine, I was the girl I always knew I had inside of me. Since the drug filled my every need, desire, and dream, I dedicated myself to it. Using cocaine became my sole purpose for living. It became my only reason to live. I directed all my thoughts towards getting enough of the drug so that I could stay highly functional at all times. I devoted all my time to finding, planning, and scheming ways to get more. I eliminated anything from my life that distracted my attention from my new lover. I had nothing left for anything or anyone that did not aid in my pursuit for cocaine. That included school. I dropped out at 15, and my mother had me put on homebound status so that I did not get charged with truancy. I attended the local Catholic school, and the administration was compassionate and cooperative with my mother's requests. With the assistance of my sister, the teachers would send my assignments home. Family no longer mattered unless I was manipulating them. I was mean and obnoxious when I didn't have coke available. I began picking up on the behaviors of the people I was hanging around, smoking cigarettes, sneaking out of the house, stealing, running the streets, partying with older guys, making trips to the city daily, and sleeping with strangers. To my younger siblings, I had become a thoughtless, an inconsiderate sister who was chaotic and scary, bringing stress and torment to their young childhoods. To my mother, I was violent and offensive, causing great fear and worry to build in her heart. None of this mattered to me because cocaine was my solution and I was not giving it up. There was nothing of greater importance to me than staying loaded. 
I never had any interest in using only on weekends or even part-time. Coke was all I wanted to do every day of the week, all day long. That is some of the reason for the rapid progression of addiction in my life. I did not start out smoking weed for five or ten years, then slowly move on to harder drugs. I did not get drunk on the weekends at high school parties and develop alcoholism 30 years down the road. When I put that drug into me for the first time, I signed my life over to it immediately. The consequences of using increased quickly as I wasted no time procrastinating in my addiction. Before my 16th birthday, I knew I was out of control and addicted. Less than a year into actively using cocaine, fully involved with a group of heavy drug abusers, I was brutally attacked and beaten by a neighborhood girl. It happened at a house party, where earlier that night, a guy had taken me into the bathroom and laid out a line on the sink for me to snort. It was darker in color and thinner in texture than what I was used to, so I asked him what it was. He told me it was cocaine from a different dealer, and that is why it looked so new. I didn't realize until years later that I had snorted my first line of heroin. I am still unaware of entirely what happened to me after I walked out of that bathroom, but I am clear that I was knocked unconscious immediately from the effects of the heroin. I returned to awareness on the living room floor with a fist pounding into my skull repeatedly. I think back to that night, and I must state that that girl probably saved my life. She may have quite literally beaten me into consciousness and out of an overdose. With my weakened strength, I haphazardly tried to shield my face, but it was useless. I saw people everywhere, yet no one was helping or stopping the attack. I could hear bystanders cheering this girl on as she smashed my eye sockets with her ringed knuckles. When it was over, she left. I tried to stand, but my knees buckled and I couldn't steady myself enough to walk. As I stumbled down the hallway, someone made a comment about the trail of blood I was leaving on the carpet. I heard another girl scream out, Don't touch her, she has AIDS. Although I knew I did not have this disease, the level of humiliation I felt at that moment was incomprehensible. In complete demoralization, on my hands and knees, I crawled out of the door into the blackness of the dead of night. My mother lived three blocks from this house party. As I ventured out alone, not knowing if I was going to be followed left me shaking in terror. Covered in blood and barely coherent, I opted to take the back roads instead of the main street. I didn't know where the wounds were, but I could feel my cheekbones throbbing and liquid running off my chin and swishing in my ears. I couldn't see or walk straight. When I turned the corner onto my mother's street, a neighbor saw me and came running out. I was sobbing tears and dripping blood, and I desperately needed a hug. I cried out his name for help. His reaction pierced the core of me. He instinctively stepped away, too horrified to touch me or come close. He ran ahead of me, silent and fast. I knew he was going to get my mom. I knew she would reach out and love me. In the condition only a mother could embrace, my mom took her 16-year-old daughter into her arms and held me. 
the first but not the last time she would be the only person in the world who would hold my hand while I knocked on death's door. Thanks for joining us. If you love the show and want to keep hearing more great stories, there are three ways you can help. You can hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast app. You can leave a review for the show on iTunes. Or you can go to asreadbyme.com and click the donate button. Every little bit helps us continue to amplify the eclectic collection of stories and voices that make our show unique. If you're a writer or know one who should be on our show, send an email to writers at asreadbyme.com. Thanks for lending us your earballs once again, and we'll see you next time on As Read By Me. <laughs>